Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I'm your host, Teresa Marks, a Senior Wealth Strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Carrie Panko, also a Senior Wealth Strategist at CIBC Private Wealth. In today's episode, Carrie and I will discuss planning for personal property, which includes items such as jewelry, household items, artwork, and the like. While these items might not have the most fair market value in an estate, they do often carry a lot of sentimental value and therefore can often be a cause of conflict for the beneficiaries. So today we'll focus on action items that you can take in order to help avoid or at least minimize conflict when it comes to these types of items. All right, let's get started. I think a lot of times when people think about estate planning, they think about the big stuff, right? Their financial accounts, their real estate, maybe even, you know, their expensive artwork that they've collected. But often people seem to forget about their personal property or what I I very elegantly like to call people's stuff. Um, You know, the household furniture, the china, the jewelry, the things that people really accumulate over time, but then sometimes forget about when they're actually doing their planning. But at the same time, I've also often found that that's often where a lot of conflict can arise because that's where the sentimental value is. That's where the things that you can't just easily divide 50-50 between two kids. Um, and so let's talk about what are some ways we can plan for personal property, not only so it gets to where the person wants it to go, but also to, to really avoid conflict among beneficiaries. So what are some things or considerations people can do now um, to plan for the personal property going forward? I think a lot of times what people can start by doing is just making a list of the tangible personal property that they have. What are the items that are important to them or possibly their beneficiaries? Can they list them out? Can they think through, you know, who might want to receive certain things or how do they want to go about it? Um, Sometimes there's an item you know, both children will like, and it might be easier to resolve that currently or talk about what one will get or what the other one will get. So they're prepared when the time comes to receive that tangible personal property. And another thing that I find is really helpful is not just who will receive it, but how will you go about it? What if you need to ship it to the beneficiary? What if you need to insure it or appraise it? How, what steps do you want to take there? How, how do you want to make sure those things play out um, for each beneficiary. So it's important just to kind of think through what you have, who you want to receive it, and how how that might work out. And oftentimes it is well received by the beneficiary if they know the plan going forward too. So maybe they're not surprised on your passing that they didn't receive this special picture or vase or thing that they had in their mind and it's been discussed already um, when you're creating your estate plan. I think that's a really good point. I think not only is it important to have a plan or create that clear plan, but talking about it can also be really helpful. Or, you know, I think as you were saying, like asking the beneficiaries, you know, what are they hoping they receive? You know, I once had a client who, you know, left behind a butter dish that she didn't even think about the butter dish, but her kids thought about it because it was on every Thanksgiving dinner table. And so it was important to all of them. And the last thing you would think there would be conflict about was the butter dish. Um, But I think sometimes talking about it, you understand where that sentimental value is that you that people have that you may not even know about. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think I think it makes it really helpful too 
when going through that process. Because to your point, there are items that may be more meaningful to your children, beneficiaries, whomever, that that you wouldn't have even given thought to. You might not have even carved out in your estate plan. So it is great to have those conversations. So once you have those conversations and you decide, you know, the individual decides how they want that personal property to be distributed, how do we memorialize that? What, what are some options there? So a very common way to handle this is to put it in a tangible personal property memorandum. This is usually drafted outside of your will or your trust, and the rules around it vary from state to state. Some states find, make this document legally enforceable. Other states will use it as guidance. But it's a great way to specify these certain items of tangible personal property and who you want them to be given to. So one thing that's worth noting is that it's also important to be specific on these documents, because instead of just saying the picture over the couch, when you might have more than one, you can specify, you know, this particular artist or, you know, the one with the trees. And then it can go to my daughter, my son, my spouse, whomever. Um, and it can be very clear. And so there's no conflict when the time comes to allocate the property, no confusion. Um, additionally, the great thing about the memorandum is that oftentimes it can be updated more easily than a trust or a will. It doesn't often have the legal formalities that other estate planning documents might have. So if you change your mind or you want to add to it, um, it's a great option. And I should note that it's worth talking to your attorney about it prior to doing that, just to make sure that any um, legal requirements are incorporated into that document. And that, you know, if, for example, let's say the last in time document will control that everything is updated appropriately, things like that, just to make sure it's carrying out your wishes and that you've included everything that you want to be included in the memorandum. So it can be a less formal document, but it's still really important to make sure that you're complying with whatever the document says or whatever state law might say to make sure that it actually is effective so that upon your death, there's there's no question or, or concern there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, if somebody doesn't have a personal property memo, maybe it just says something in their will as to where it should go. A lot of times we see, you know, all my personal property to my spouse or to my partner. Um, And then if, you know, if they don't survive, that person doesn't survive, then it would all go to kids or, you know, nieces and nephews or to whomever. But I think a lot of times, you know, that works great in some situations, but, you know, in a, in a blended family situation, for example, like maybe the, the spouse or the partner isn't the parent of the children. What, what are some considerations there? What should we be aware of as, again, as we're trying to avoid some conflict and make sure wishes are carried out? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question too, because I think oftentimes, you're inclined to say, oh, my spouse or my partner knows what I want to have happen. And maybe those those wishes haven't been communicated, or maybe it's not clear that certain children want certain items. And so instead of guessing or or leaving it up to them, it might be clearer to, to, to specify during your lifetime, because if your partner doesn't know your wishes, maybe they can't move forward with your wishes or Perhaps your partner doesn't have capacity when it comes time to distribute the tangible personal property, so they're not able to express what your intentions were. Um, And also, you know, sometimes there's a risk that maybe your partner is not clear on your intentions and, and distributes assets contrary to what your intentions were. So things like that, just being clear during your lifetime um, can help avoid some of those issues. 
So I think kind of really all three of the things we've just talked about, making the plan, you know, creating the personal property memo, really kind of if there's a partner or spouse, making sure they understand or kind of having a legally enforceable document that, that creates that. It sounds like it's really all about making your intentions clear and really making sure that everybody knows what you want and then making sure your documents carry that out. Yes, that's exactly right. I think clarity and confirming the documents are conforming with all of those things is very important. So another question I sometimes get is what about charity, right? Maybe it's for the, the property that maybe children don't want or you know doesn't have like a market value. What are some considerations when somebody's charitably inclined and may want to give some or all of their personal property to a charitable beneficiary? Yeah, giving assets to a charitable beneficiary is a great way to achieve your philanthropic goals. If you do want to give to charity, um, this is one great mechanism for doing that. Another thing along the same approach is, to your point, if any beneficiary does not want to receive a certain item, it might be a great opportunity to make a charitable gift. If you're afraid that certain beneficiaries might disagree and they can never come to a resolution as to who should receive that particular item, maybe that's a great option to give to charity. So that way your beneficiaries don't have to argue down the road. Um, and just worth noting, when you do make these charitable gifts, it's also, it could be eligible for a tax deduction. So that's another benefit if you do want to give certain items of tangible personal property to charity. I think I see this most often, you know, with something like artwork, for example, where somebody's maybe donating it to a museum or, you know, they don't want to choose one child over the other to receive the, the important painting, for example. They might give it to charity in that situation. Yeah, that's a great example of, of utilizing that. So an, another question I think that often comes up, you know, is when to give, right? You know, it's the, you know, do I give my ring to my daughter while I'm alive or do I wait until I'm, I'm gone? You know, thoughts on that, you know, it's kind of what should people be thinking about in terms of timing of when to give away their personal property? So there are a lot of considerations around this. Some are personal, some have tax implications. And so, for example, if you want to give an item during your life, to your point, you want to give your daughter your ring and you want to see how happy that makes her or something. That's that's a benefit that you'll you'll get during your lifetime. You'll get to watch her appreciate the gift, things like that. But from the tax perspective, it's important to know that your daughter will receive what's called a carryover basis for that particular item. Um, and so that's just a consideration when you want to make a lifetime gift, things like that. Um, another thing with making a lifetime gift is that you can utilize other sorts of exemption, your annual exclusion exemption or your lifetime gift exemption or a state tax exemption to make those lifetime gifts of those certain properties. So in terms of the tax considerations, it sounds like if, so if I give my ring to my daughter, um, if it's maybe under the annual exclusion amount, I've got no, I don't have to worry about the gift tax consequences. But if she sells that ring, she has to think about what I paid for in order to think about if she's going to realize any sort of income tax benefit, which hopefully if I'm giving her my ring, she's not going to sell it, but she might someday. <laughs> exactly. Yes. No, that's a good point. And so there's both an, a gift tax consequence and an income tax piece of the piece of the puzzle. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then what about if somebody receives property at death? And there's similar considerations um, to make at death. So upon your death, the asset will get a step up in basis. So the income tax considerations might not be as significant if, let's say, the beneficiary does decide to turn around and sell the item immediately. 
Similarly, um, it can be applied to your estate tax exemption that's in place upon your death, if any is remaining. Um, and then, you know, this also gives the donor the opportunity to enjoy that tangible personal property throughout the course of their lifetime before giving it over to the beneficiary. And then on their death, the beneficiary can then enjoy it. I, I do think that, you know, that last piece is such an important one. I, th I think a lot of times it's, you know, and I, I will often say to people asking this question about when do I give it, it's it's really like, what what are you trying to to achieve in a way, right? Like, do you want to continue to wear that ring to continue my example? Um, or do you want to see your daughter wear it? You know, kind of where, what's important for that particular item? And it might be a different answer depending on, on the item. Maybe I want to give that butter dish away, but keep the ring or, you know, or vice versa. Um, so that, so I think, I do think that's one of the most important considerations just from a, you know, this is personal property, right? And again, kind of going to that sentiment and that idea that, this is stuff <laughs> that you use. And so really thinking on that kind of personal side, I think is really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think having the flexibility and understanding what you want, what other people, what your considerations are with other people are all, you know, important aspects of, of timing of gift giving. You know, I think in a way, you know, as we talk about personal property, I, I think, I think kind of what has kind of gone through this conversation is really that personal side of it, right? It's that, you know, making sure people, you know, you understand how that's, it's going to make people feel or, you know, you know, kind of what, what are, what are people's feelings towards each items and, you know, making sure you have that plan, that you express that plan. And if charity's, you know, an option for you or a consideration for you thinking about, you know, what makes the most sense there. And then ultimately on the personal side, as well as the tax side, thinking about during life and, and at death, ultimately what makes the most sense for the person currently owning it and the person that might receive it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group LLC and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. This document is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only and may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analyst charter holders or certified financial planner professionals. Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.